0: You know, the whole story of the Bible, the entire Bible storyline is a story about worship. And Christmas Eve tonight is the night that makes worship possible. I'll explain what I mean in a minute. When we talk about worship, that the the whole story of the Bible is a story of worship, I'm not referring to the kind of worship that some of you may sort of associate with uh, growing up in church you know fitting yourself into clothes that don't fit right and buttoning all the way up to the top with a tie and starchy collars and songs you don't know with words you don't understand or anything like that when I'm talking about worship I mean the way we've been talking about worship the last couple weeks uh, just as admiration that overflows into action Worship is just admiration that overflows into action. It's when you see something beautiful, when you fall in love with something, when you can't help but respond. A couple of nights ago, our family and some friends, we all piled into one car and drove down to the state fairgrounds to drive through underneath the light display that's there. Yeah, it was horrible. Uh, We were in line for an hour before we even got to pay, and our friends with their their almost two-year-old girl, I mean, she did not want to be in her seat anymore. It was now past her bedtime. She's crawling all over the place. She's crawling all over us. She's touching buttons on the radio. She's discovering functions that we didn't even know the car had, (laughs) which was actually helpful. But when we finally got under the lights and the music's going and the lights are in front of us, they're all synchronizing with it. We had the sunroof open so we could look up at the lights above us, and her face, and the squeals of delight and just the it was worship it was admiration overflowing in action See, we've been spending the last uh, four weeks, uh, the four weeks of Advent, you know, in this run-up to Christmas, we've been looking at this same hymn, this this song about Jesus, this Christmas carol about Jesus that's uh, recorded by Paul in the letter to the Colossians. You don't have to turn there or pull it out. I I just, I want to reference it again a little bit because we've been going back to this hymn over and over again through the lens of worship in order to kind of suss out this biblical storyline, uh, for ourselves today, to, to understand where Christmas Eve, where Christmas morning fits in the context of the whole story of the Bible. Uh, listen to what this, this hymn says about Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's just the first half of that hymn, but it captures so well this early, uh, the early church's understanding of who Jesus is. Even as they looked back to Jesus, the baby, in the manger, and to Jesus, the man on the cross, they said, he's the image of the invisible God. When you see Jesus, you see God. He's the firstborn over all creation. The one, it says, through whom all things were created, by whom all things were created, for whom all things were created, and in whom all things maintain their creation, in whom all things hold together, in whom all things consist, they coalesce, they cohere, they make sense. See, the whole story of the Bible is a story about worship, that we were created to have God, to have Jesus as the center of who we are and how we live, so that our own personal universes would consist they would hold together by Jesus but of course that's not the reality that we live in right now it's not the reality that any of us experience something happened from the beginning when we were made to worship uh, to now and something will happen in the future but before we get there we go through tonight Father, You have given us a gift in Jesus that we are only beginning to unwrap this evening as we spend these moments together, journeying towards Bethlehem, to the side of the manger, to see God with us. Guide our paths, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if we keep reading in this, uh, this hymn about Jesus in Colossians 1, it becomes obvious very quickly that something has changed. Death enters the picture. We read about the need for reconciliation, redemption, there's blood, there's alienation, there's hostility, there's gleefully, joyfully done evil against one another. It's like Christmas with your in-laws, which when I wrote that joke, I didn't know you guys were going to be here. So we're still on for Christmas tomorrow at your place, right? We're good? Okay. So. Something happened to get us from the beginning of this song about Jesus, about the the firstborn of all creation, to the point now where we're talking about Him being the firstborn from the dead. Uh, The death has entered the picture and suffering, and and there's been a break. According to the Bible storyline, the whole story of the Bible, the, the problem, the brokenness is a problem of worship. See, we were, we were made, we were created to live in perfect worship of God for eternity. Our admiration for Him overflowing into praise, into uh, whatever actions are suitable to, to show back to God how much we love and care for Him. But we walked away from it. Now, the same author who wrote Colossians says in another one of his letters that we, it, we took the worship that was due to God and we exchanged it, we replaced it with worship of something else. We put something else in God's place. And heaven and earth were ripped apart. Over the last couple weeks, as we've been looking at this poem, we've been using the image of a compass to kind of talk about what we are like as human beings. If you've ever played with a compass, you know, you rotate that thing around and the needle always points north. It it doesn't have any problem pointing towards north because we live on this big magnetic rock that always pulls that little piece of steel in a particular direction. But of course, you can get another magnet, a smaller magnet, but if you hold it up close to that compass, the needle's going to quiver and jump all over the place until it aligns itself with this new attractive force. And if you do that enough, or you get a strong enough magnet close enough to that compass, eventually, you'll damage it to the point where it, can't, it can never find north again. And it's, it's not, you can't do anything with a compass that doesn't point north, you might as well toss it. The problem with humanity, the Bible tells us, is a problem of worship that our hearts were made to be drawn towards God, but when heaven and earth were ripped apart by our own actions, all of the other stuff of this earth ended up being closer to our hearts than our true north, and we keep finding ourselves pulled in different directions, trying to find something that will replace God for us, that will make life make sense for us. I don't know what it is for you personally I I know from my own life that it's often things like success or being seen as competent or being seen as exceptional it's uh it's a a good paycheck or a high prestige job it's the perfect family it's the perfect spouse whatever it is for you our hearts keep getting pulled to these other things and we use them to try to replace God we let the compass needle of our hearts get pulled in different directions so the question becomes well, what do you do with a compass that can't find north again? Well, if a compass can't find north, then north has to find the compass, which is why we're here tonight. See, this whole story of worship, of being made to worship, but, but falling away, walking away from it, is only, it's not solved by us. We're the broken needles. It's only fixed by God, and it's fixed by God beginning to move toward us, which we celebrate that first step of God moving towards us on Christmas Eve. Tonight is the night that leaps back over all other nights to more than 2000 years ago when heaven and earth again came together in a baby in a manger in bethlehem baby of course that we know and we've sung who would grow up to be a man who would sacrifice himself for us god himself sacrificing himself for us so that our worship of Him could be redeemed, could be reconciled, could be bought back. But the story doesn't end there either, because there's a future coming. When heaven and earth that were once together ripped apart come back together, and Jesus will finally and fully be united for all of us. When Jesus, our Savior, the baby, comes back as Jesus, our King, heaven and earth are reunited, and we live in eternity in worship of Him. And not the kind of worship that you, you know, grew up with and you're like, I don't know any of those words and the clothes don't fit, not that worship, but the worship of being in the presence of not just uh, true things, but truth itself, Uh, of being in the presence not just of beauty, but beauty itself, goodness itself. And when, when God Himself is front and center for us, and that little needle of our hearts is fully, finally, and permanently oriented towards Him, we will live an eternity of worship. That starts with a baby. This night, so many years ago. So we take the stillness and the quietness and the darkness of this night to look back to Jesus in the manger and to look forward. To Jesus, our King, who will live and reign forever and ever. Father, you have given us a gift that is beyond imagining. The gift of Jesus, our Savior, our King, who will reign forevermore and bring us into his kingdom of light where we will worship forever and ever. Amen.